Boom, what up ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. And today we're gonna have a conversation where we explore our guest's journey from politics to entrepreneurship. How about that one? Let's get this one started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real-life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Pulse! All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we have a truly remarkable guest with us, a seasoned entrepreneur and the driving force behind Bowie Digital, a renowned marketing agency transforming small businesses nationwide. In this episode, we're going to dive into his journey from his early days in the United States Senate to his leadership role in marketing and real estate industry. We'll also explore his remarkable success in Bowie Digital, recognizing one of the best places to work in Indiana. So let's welcome to the show the one and only Mr. Wayne Stanley. All right, Wayne, welcome to the program, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on the Business Bros podcast. Let's do this, dude. All right, question number one is always the one that we're going to get out the way, man. The obvious one, the plug, dude. What is it that you do for a living? You're on the show to promote to the audience what it is that you do. What is that? In short, we help small businesses with their marketing all over the country. We help them tell their story, differentiate, and figure out what makes sense in their markets. Everything from logo design and flyers to websites, social media, video, and more. Who is this identified uh, business that you're after? Are we talking uh, startups at the very beginning? Are we talking you know, mid-cap companies, the big boys out there, the Nikes of the world? Who are you, who are you targeting here? My favorite thing is that our our customer base spans that whole uh, uh, swath of, of businesses that you just mentioned. So we work with really small one man uh, shops in rural Nebraska to startup companies trying to figure out how they want to make a splash and get launched all the way up into we work with a couple of Fortune 200 companies. So working with that mix allows us to have tools for the smaller guys that we wouldn't have if we didn't have some of those bigger accounts. And then it also allows us to, I think, listen better to our larger customers because we have the smaller ones that we have to really fine tune what we're doing for them. Yeah, the developing these systems and processes to help these companies is not the easiest thing in the world. I mean, uh, there's different agencies that do different things that have a, different expertises, but there's a reason that people come to you. Uh, tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, I want to know how you got to this point where now you're helping customers uh, with their marketing stuff. Where'd you come from? What'd you do in the past? What was your maybe educational journey like? Sure. Uh, after high school, I went to a small liberal arts college in Indiana called Franklin College, and I got a degree in public relations and advertising with a minor in leadership. And uh, in my senior year of, of that uh, experience, I was able to get an internship with Senator Richard Luger from Indiana. Um, and that launched me uh, from Indiana to Washington, D.C. for about a 10-year stint in total. Um, I worked for him as a uh, deputy press secretary, eventually moving up to a press secretary, and and finally his deputy political director. And so I got to do a lot of different things at a very young age for him. Um, a lot of people that were in similar roles for other senators were easily 10 years older than me at the time. And so 
I got to think very differently about all that. And uh, this is when social media was was really starting to grow. You know, this was 2007-ish. So um, Facebook was a thing. Twitter was barely a thing. Nothing else really existed at that point. And so we were really trying to figure out how to differentiate him as a politician on social media, which other than then Senator Barack Obama, not many were doing. Uh, but once once that experience was over, I worked for a real estate trade association in Washington, D.C., sharpened a lot more of my grassroots skills, marketing skills even more, um, and was able to meet small businesses in real estate all over the country. And that's really where I always knew I wanted to own my own business, but I kept saying, you know, it just it shouldn't be this hard for people to market their business just because they don't understand the tools that are available doesn't mean it should be difficult for them. And so I, I looked for other agencies to come into the space. I looked for other agencies to do some of this kind of stuff in the way that I wanted to do it. And none of it made sense. And so finally, Bow Digital was born uh, in 2017. And now, you know, almost seven years later, we are uh, working with companies in 40 plus states and have a staff of 21 full-time people. All right, dude, going and working with a senator, a sitting senator, especially in the press area, you must have learned some of the greatest skill sets out there. I mean, if you don't know that that politics is about marketing and getting in front of a particular identified group uh, and learn some skills there, that's a huge thing to have that kind of mentor right off the bat. I mean, you even said there's people that you were working with that are 10 years older than you, uh, which means you got a lot of tools and assets that you got to take with you. Now, you could have stayed in the politics game. I mean, let's face it. There's politicians that live in Capitol Hill, and that's it. That's all they do for the rest of your life. You could have stuck it there. But you decided to go off on your own to become an entrepreneur in your own right. Why leave something that was pretty secure? You're in early on. You're kind of eschewing in the industry to go off and do something on your own. Yeah, I... I knew from a young age I wanted to own my own business. When I was uh, when I was a kid, I would go to my uh, grandparents' house, my grandparents that the company's named after, Grandpa Bo, um, and I would get all their all kinds of little knickknacks throughout their house, and I would create a store in their living room, and I would make them buy back their own belongings, and so. My family knew for a long time this is what I wanted to do, but I loved the experience uh, working in the United States Senate. I did learn a lot and I was able to do a lot. Um, it was a huge crash course in media training and all of that, which pays big dividends in what I do now. Um, but overall, I wanted to create a a culture for my company that was indispensable to my team. I felt like that you know, work-life balance wasn't really a thing when I was first contemplating all of this way back when, but um, I wanted something that allowed people to live their life and live that through through their work and not have to work to live necessarily. And so uh, it just became clear to me that this was what I wanted to do, not only because I felt like I had skills on the marketing side of things, but as a leader and an entrepreneur, I felt like I had a lot to offer there. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's almost a different calling. You get big by bit by that entrepreneurial bug and it kind of never goes away you you kind of gotta satisfy that itch somehow some way there are a lot of people today that are finding that entrepreneurship is not only uh, an avenue that can open up some doors for some people it's a necessity they have to make ends meet and they're turning to some of these things maybe not selling stuff back to their parents in their living room but you know they're finding ways to kind of generate that extra revenue um and you are in a unique situation you're getting started today 
um now that we're that we're very much immersed in uh in technology moving forward we got ai kind of taking off a lot of different things like that um what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur getting started today I think that uh, the best piece of advice that I was given that I, I would recommend to somebody else is that uh, a lot of small business <laughs> owners, entrepreneurs, they they waste too much time um, uh, delaying their first hire. They don't staff up fast enough because they're scared of the revenue side of things and other implications. And so I was told, you know, don't be afraid to hire people. You're going to need people to, to grow and to scale. And so that's a big one for me. And then my other one is set expectations, set expectations with your customers and with your team internally. I think that's a huge thing in life in general that people don't do. And I think that you'll find, you know, a lot more success and a slightly easier path if you communicate and set expectations from not only the outset, but as you go along in your business journey. What about mentorship? I mean, you were in a unique situation where you got a mentor at a very high level when it comes to your skill set. I mean, literally you're, you're you like you said you took a crash course in public relations and and uh, social media was kind of coming on board so you were literally thrown to the wolves and said hey figure this out and uh, our campaign kind of depends on it so make it happen um that's a mentorship that really pays dividends over time what about finding mentorship or working with people that are that are kind of out there i know that takes a lot of time you spent 10 years doing that but the benefits that you got out of it were huge how does mentorship play a role for young entrepreneurs? Oh, I think it's, I think it's crazy important. Like I, I, we all see lots of entrepreneurs that think that they have it all figured out and they've got the best idea, and so they want to run with it and run solo. But I think that the, the mentorship piece is huge. And I say all the time, there are some key mentors, whether it was in college or the Senate or the Real Estate Trade Association, that that really helped me along the way to know not only what I wanted to emulate with my own team and my own customers, but in some cases also what I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be someone who, um, you know, everything's an emergency. Everything is something that's on fire or chaos and that kind of stuff. And so it helped in that way too. And I think a challenge right now for a lot of younger entrepreneurs, um, we see this even in our own internship program, they're just afraid to create these relationships or they think that they're not really sure how to start that or have those conversations. And I think you have to not be afraid to just ask, to say, I'm really interested in how you do this or what you learned here or whatever that may be. And can you show that to me? Can you be helpful in this way? Because most people are more than willing to do that. It's tough when you get into a business model that is so rapidly changing. There's so many things that are happening, um, but there's some of those core fundamentals that still kind of play into the different technologies out there. Um, websites, funnels, you're using AI, the, the, there's all kinds of stuff that are these tools in the marketing space that can help you do things. But there are some fundamental things that no matter what tools you're using, you still kind of kind of put in place. Um, you've been at this for quite some time. It, what are some of those fundamental things or lessons that you've learned along the way that kind of stand true through the test of time, even though we have all kinds of cool tools that we get to play with today? Man, I love that question. I think that, you know, there's the Gary V model of things where he encourages in the, especially in the social media space, that you should jump on every new platform and possibility and be the best at it. Because if it takes off, then you're going to be at the forefront of that. 
for most small businesses, for most entrepreneurs, I don't think my, you know, my recommendation to our customers is you probably don't have to be first to market or first to uh, excel in some of those. Leave that to other companies. Be good at what you're good at. Talk to your customers. Tell your story. I think that's what's most important. Um, I think some of the other fundamental stuff is just, again, on the the setting expectations piece, for me, it's it's constant and consistent communication, not letting people wonder what's happening, not letting things fall through the cracks and the communication, figuring that out is supremely important. And some people for their marketing communication, you know, they're always talking about um, different uh, fads or trends and stuff like that that's happening right now. But I mean, like bare bones, why you exist. It's always okay to come up with some of that kind of uh, cheeky kind of stuff. But I think in general, the communication is super important. Let me ask you about the the digital marketing space kind of in, in general, because uh, there are people who are who are out there building these kinds of companies to get their their name out there. And the cool thing is, like I mentioned earlier, there's so many different tools that you can use. Um, when you're building an agency, you kind of want to focus in on one, even though you might be able to offer your client a number of different things, you get really good at that one thing. Uh, once it's almost like that Trojan horse mentality, right? Once you get into that customer with a particular tool or something that's definitely solving a problem that they have, then you can open the door to more and more things. When you were growing your agency, when you first got started, did you hone in on like one particular skill set that you were really good at and then kind of expand from there? How did you kind of grow and scale your your agency? I would say two ways, um, and they're very different. One was for us, social media in general, people don't understand um, they either don't understand it or, or more likely don't have time for it or perceive that they don't have time for it. Um, so that was low hanging fruit for us. We can take over your social media engagement, create good content and um, have it be successful for you, especially um, on real estate, you know, within Facebook and Instagram. Those were kind of our two main pieces at first. Um, so that that was one that as far as like a an actual service that we provide that um, is based in some sort of marketing tech. Social media was where it was at. But even bigger than that for us has actually been what we call our story arc process and the ability to differentiate a company. And we would hear from people that we got hired to rebrand a company that's had a good brand for 50, 60 a hundred years. And, you know, they would, we would come on site to do our on-site part of this process and they would get in my face and say, I just don't understand how you think that after spending half a day with us, you're going to be able to tell a story for our company. And it was a challenge that I loved then. And I love even more now because every single time we've proven those people wrong when we deliver that story for them. And so I think that our biggest differentiator is learning how to listen um, and listen really well to our customers and our customers' customer, which is what allows us to then, in a pretty efficient way, build a compelling, differentiating, and engaging story for these businesses. Especially, not every business is super appealing or sexy, but it's got a customer base. And so you have to figure out how to make it more appealing or make your messaging more efficient and that sort of thing. It's not always recreating the wheel, but that challenge for us of of the the more intellectual side of marketing is I think what we've really honed the most and what people appreciate. And that is an entree into the best partnerships for us. If we do that well once for somebody, 
they're like, oh, they get us. We're going to use them forever now. We're going to use them for every other service and that kind of thing. And, and I want to kind of harp on there. Uh, maybe you can dig a little deeper on that. But for for entrepreneurs that are getting started, and a lot of times it's, hey, I offer this product and service. Here's the best offer I probably have. Uh, let's get started. Those are great ways to make some sales. But what is the value in having that story arc? Why is it that non, a lot of entrepreneurs don't go that deep into their marketing? And what are some of those benefits that they could get if they could really hone in on that story? Yeah, the way the way I describe a story is that your your story is different. I think a lot of entrepreneurs mistake a story for their mission statement, um, and I hear all the time, "Well, we've got a great mission statement, and our whole team believes in it. We repeat it all together every staff meeting every week." And I always say, "That's a cult. That's not a story." <laughs> um, so. It's the story should ebb and flow and grow and evolve with your company. The, the story that you had in um, May of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic is very different than the story you had in May of 2021 versus today. It should it should be able to evolve with you. But the reason that it's super important is because everybody has blinders on and we all think that we know what's most important, especially a lot of business owners, managers, C-suite kind of folks. The things that we invest in, we think are the most important and that's what we should push out. You know, we built this new tool or resource or website. And so that's what we're going to market. That's what we want our customers to care about. Uh, but they don't go deeper with their customers to then say, what do you actually care about? And I don't mean this isn't done through the successful story creation is not done through virtual or um, digital surveys. It has to be conversations and different ones than what your sales folks might be doing. It's not the what can we do better conversation. That is always there. There's always something that you could do better. Even if you're a five-star organization, somebody has a list somewhere of things you could do better and different. This is what do you love most about our company or about our products and services so that we can make other people love those same things? And it's getting deeper and granular in their answers. So if somebody says, well, we really love, you know, if you're a service-based organization, we really love their uh, communication. We can't let it stop there. We need to know, do you love what they communicate, how they're communicating, when they communicate, who communicates to you? What's, what's the real answer there? Because once you get down to those answers, we sort of hold it up like a mirror and we say, look, this is internally what you think is important. Externally, this is what your customers say is important. How do we bridge that gap and create an efficient story? Because that's going to take you much farther than just here's the benefits or the uh, perks of my specific product or service. Like you were saying, it's it's more broadly, here's how we can benefit you. Here's how we've done this. And that's that's more important these days than ever as a differentiator. Well, that's where the connection happens, right? That's where the buyer at the end of the day says, okay, look, there's four different flashlights, but this one, this is the one that really shines bright and gives me uh, the, what I'm looking for when it comes to my family and friends and safety and security and whatever it is. Um, exactly. That's the messaging and the reason why they go after that particular brand versus another one. And I think that's why essentially we're calling this episode, you know, transforming small businesses because that story right there is taking a business from a product or service to a full story to the reason why people want to do business with you. Um, when you, when you talk to a lot of these entrepreneurs, what's the pushback you're getting? Why are they not doing this right away? What's stopping them from even taking a story and being like, okay, they see it. They can, they can kind of jive with the story. It makes sense. 
but they still lack the implementation because you see that over and over again to actually adopt it. What's the pushback? I think the biggest pushback for people on either not adopting a story or being slow or or feeling like, you know, the story we've had works, you know, that, that I hear that a lot. Well, we haven't even marketed for 20 years. You're very lucky. A lot of businesses are lucky that for a long time they didn't have to do traditional marketing or very much of it because they didn't have a competitor in their market or that sort of thing. But everything's a little more saturated these days. And so it's worth thinking through that. One of the biggest pushbacks we get is that, you know, longevity can't be your differentiator. It can be one of your strengths and it's part of your story. But when you think about how you are wanting to be indispensable to your customer base, there are other products and services in their lives with way less longevity that are indispensable now. So that part doesn't, if it is a good product or service, they're going to use it and adopt it. I don't always love using the the mega company analogies, but Netflix and Amazon and Uber are not 100-year-old companies and yet are indispensable to their customer base. And there's smaller things in your life that I think is, is that case too. And so for some of our customers, they really, it's a dagger in the heart when I talk about how we can't lead that we have 100 years of experience anymore because we have to prove that. What does that actually mean? Who benefits that you have that experience? And we've seen really crazy things too where not just 100 years of, of service uh, in the business, but also there are companies out there that say, well, we've got over a thousand years of experience because everybody on our team has been in the industry for 30 years. And I'm like, nobody knows how to equate that to real life. So you've got people <laughs> that have been doing this for 30 years and it's a thousand years of experience. Like some of that gets a little silly at some point. And so that's why it's more important to have the the clear and concise story. And usually when we explain it that way, it helps a lot of them break it down more to understand, okay, now I get that I can use a lot of my history as strengths, um, but it's not our current story. And I think that's something, when I talk about stories evolving and growing for a company, every story, every good book has a beginning, a middle and an end. And your beginning, your history, all of that is still important. The middle is kind of where you are now. And the end isn't actually the final chapter necessarily. The end is just the chapter that you're currently writing. It's the future facing stuff that you're trying to do as an organization and all of that. And I think once people understand that process more and the why, then there's far less pushback. Yeah, and I, it, it's funny because I literally designed the episode the same way. Like, uh, um, we're heading towards the end here, and that's that's kind of where the next question is. And we can talk about your past. We can talk about 20 years ago. You were probably thinking about the next speech you were going to put together, the next PR space you were going to go on, uh, who you're booking on, what's, what show for your particular candidate. Uh, and then you decided to go kind of off on your own. You're learning the social media stuff. Today, you have an agency that is, that is successful, that you're helping clients all over the board. Where do you see the future of your company? What vision are you writing for in the next couple of years? Uh, and do, do you have like an exit strategy in place or what's the future hold for you? That's a great question. And uh, we do an annual company retreat that we just did about a month ago um, where I was able to outline this a little bit more because in our, I mean, for us, we've seen... a at least 30% growth every year for all the years that we've been in business. And uh, there are others that have grown much faster than that. There are others that have grown slower than that. But for us at that pace, sometimes it was hard for me to see what the 
what what's in three and five years when so much is changing every six months around here. But um, I think in general, my answer is is twofold. And one is I want to continue to create a future-facing organization internally, meaning that we're using the best tools for efficient and effective communication internally. We're taking care of our team in the way a modern workplace should. You know, we're we're a fully remote company. We have unlimited paid time off. We're a four-day work week. Um, we've implemented other things like a mid-year shutdown for mental health and all kinds of stuff like that. And I want to continue to be a place that people want to work because then the work that we do is that much stronger and more powerful because we've got we've helped our people become the best people, which means they can put out the best product. And so when that transitions into what that means for the company, I want us to be the best at creating content for our customers. Again, listening to them and figuring out what their story is. That's one piece of it. But just in general, it is changing all the time. Marketing is changing their new tools and it's harder than ever. And so as each of those little bends in the road happen, I want us to be right there knowing exactly what the trends are, what's happening and how do we continue to elevate our customers along the way. And that's exactly the kind of company that you, you want to either hire or work for. So if people want to reach out to you, they either want to find out more about what it is you do. Maybe you can help them uh, on the business side, or maybe they're looking for a job, maybe joining a team that that's super awesome that can work remote like that. How can they do that? Um, they can reach out to us anytime on our website, which is bowdigital, B-O-W-E digital.com. You can free fill and email me at any point at wayne at bowdigital.com as well. Um, and also on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn every single day. And that's Wayne M. Stanley is where you can find me there. Perfect. Wayne, thank you very much for being on the program today. Ladies and gentlemen, look, marketing is just, it's a must. You got to do this in your business. And there are people out there who can help you do that. And literally, you got a whole episode of finding out what Wayne's background was, what he does for his company, where his company is going. So if it's a choice that you're looking for, maybe you want to give him a shout out, uh, go to the website, bowdigital.com. That's B-O-W-E digital.com. And you can find him on social. Just use his name, Wayne M. Stanley. Uh, you'll find him on LinkedIn and different places like that. Wayne, thank you very much for being on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Thanks Have so much. Out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast, podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.